Hello and welcome to Hardcover Hose, a long-distance book club where two book lovers express their feelings on their book of the moment via podcast. I am one half of your host, Sam Dixon. And I'm Sammy Skorstad. Together we have combed through book talk, combined our to-be-read list, and now we intend to make our way through them one book at a time. We'd love for you to come along with us and join the discussion. This episode is going to be a bit different as we have not one but two books to cover. The books of the moment for today's episode are These Violent Delights and Our Violent Ends by Chloe Gong. Just a forewarning for those of you listening, this is not a spoiler-free zone. We will be discussing these books in all of their glory, which of course includes revealing the ending. The author of These Violent Delights and Our Violent Ends, Chloe Gong, is a recent graduate of the University of Pennsylvania, where she double majored in English and International Relations. Born in Shanghai and raised in Auckland, New Zealand, Chloe is now located in New York, pretending to be a real adult. After devouring the entire YA section of her local library, she started writing her own novels at age 13 to keep herself entertained, and has been highly entertained ever since. Chloe has been known to mysteriously appear by chanting, Romeo and Juliet is one of Shakespeare's best plays and doesn't deserve its slander in pop culture, into a mirror three times. Before we jump into discussing our own thoughts and feelings regarding this duology, I'm going to go ahead and read the blurb on the back of These Violent Delights for the sake of contextualizing the story. Quote, A blood feud between two gangs runs the streets red, leaving the city helpless in the grip of chaos. At the heart of it all is 18-year-old Juliet Tsai, a former flapper who has returned to assume her role as the proud heir of the Scarlet Gang, a network of criminals far above the law. Their only rivals in power are the White Flowers, who have fought the Scarlets for generations. And behind every move is their heir, Roma Montagov, Juliet's first love and first betrayal. But when gangsters on both sides show signs of instability culminating in in clawing their own throats out, the people start to whisper of a contagion, a madness, of a monster in the shadows. As the deaths stack up, Juliet and Roma must set their guns and grudges aside and work together. For if they can't stop this mayhem, then there will be no city left for either to rule. Without further ado, let's get into it. I just want to start by Mm -hmm. saying this is the freshest we've ever recorded coming off of a book. I finished (laughs) it 10 minutes ago. I think that this is nice in the way that, like, you truly feel everything you just read, but also maybe you haven't had time to like let it set in yet. So I had a really hard time getting into this book. Um, I, I started these violent delights like last year or or, like early, early this year, Mm -hmm. I think. And I read like 25 pages and just put it down. Um, And then, so I think that remembering that it was hard for me to pick it back up again. And it was once I picked it up, I was kind of just disinterested, honestly. Um, I, I don't like 18 year olds in charge of pretty much in charge of gangs was a little hard for me. Okay. Honestly, I think it's, it's just like, I, I have time relating to YA stuff and yeah. And so it was, like, it was just battling that and, like, trying to get into the story. But also, like, I couldn't get over that they were still, like, kids, essentially. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So those were your first impressions? That was – those were my initial thoughts. Yes. Okay. I feel funny because I had the complete opposite. Uh, from the first page, I was like, oh, I can feel this is going to be a banger. I think I really like – uh, Chloe Gong's writing style 
Mm-hmm. And that's why I was like, oh, okay. I also really like the premise of like 1920s Shanghai gangster rule and mm-hmm. like feuding and stuff like that. Um, I think it was a very fresh take on Shakespeare. Um, Agreed. Okay. I, I don't know. I really, really felt intrigued. I think that you have just discovered you don't like YA and I this is a YA book, so I feel mm-hmm. like you can't hold it to the genre. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I know that. Like, that was the thing. It's like, I think it was, I think four years ago, I would have absolutely loved this book mm-hmm. or this duology, duet, whatever. Duology. I, but just for now, and like, I also, I had like calling it like the madness and the monster. And I think, and like, the thing is, because it was just 1920 Shanghai, there was no like, there's magic in this universe or there are these mythological creatures or anything like that. We were just expected to be like, yeah, someone got bit by a bug and they turned into a monster and there was no background on like, well, not bitten by a bug, but like the bug burrowed into them and then they turned into this like river monster mm-hmm. thing. And I was just like, what? Like, okay. I don't know. I, I just like, I think, because there was so much politics and, like, the gangster stuff going on. Like, I that was all enjoyable, and I liked that. And then on top of that, there was just also, like, this other stuff we were – that I felt, like, didn't fit with everything else. Such and as? I, like, the, the whole, like, monster thing. Like, there's a monster. Oh. And, like, I was just, like, I felt like this – there had been like a serial killer of some sort or something like that i just i couldn't match the the realism of um you know like we're tackling 1920s shanghai colonialism imperialism all the stuff that was like really serious and then and then there was a river monster okay. i just i i didn't like that pairing very much interesting yeah you prefer your fairy porn i do i well i okay. prefer I think I would have liked some sort of explanation or of like, this is what happened. Like I couldn't just accept someone got burrowed in by a, a bug and then turned into a monster. Like there was no addressing, like even the, it was Paul was his name or whatever. He yeah. was like, he was like, imagine my surprise when he turned into a monster and that's all they did to address it. And I was just like, I wanted, if, if there were, we were going to go down this path of like these insane things could happen. Mm-hmm. I would have liked more of an explanation. Okay, that's fair. I think yeah. that it, it was maybe lightly touched on because it wasn't like the point of the book. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The The underlying thing there was greed and, you know, corruption. Power. Power. Politics. Exactly. So I think it was more a means to an end in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't necessarily mind it so much. I did think it was a little weird, but mm-hmm. I was like, it's a fantasy book. I was expecting some <laughs> to is come it techn- of it. Is it yes. a fantasy? Yes, it's it's YA fantasy. Okay. Okay, I didn't know it fell under the fantasy yeah, yeah. genre. It's YA fantasy. So at the at the base, at the core of this story, right? It's a Romeo and Juliet retelling, right? Um. I was acutely aware that the last time I read Romeo and Juliet or watched the Leo DiCaprio version of the movie was like when I was in the ninth grade. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
So I was very much feeling myself going, do I even remember what happened in Romeo and Juliet? Yeah. Uh, But I will say that I liked that despite knowing Romeo and Juliet's story, the story itself was not super predictable. I was glad that they were adults, you know. I was Mm -hmm. glad that she didn't write them as 15-year-olds. Right. Because that's what made and Juliet annoying in the beginning anyways mm-hmm. <laughs> right um so I, I did like that she made them adults and she kind of like changed up the vibe of the story in a lot of ways while keeping some things pretty consistent I think mm-hmm. I had the most fun like trying to figure out who a character was when they would be introduced you know yeah me too I was like every time all of the side characters I was like I really need to look up the plot and everything of the original Romeo and Juliet story so I can match who is supposed to be who you know yeah but I mean I I, I never did but I wish I did (laughs) well I I like that she was at least pretty consistent with like naming the characters Mm -hmm. like if like Marshall was Mercutio you know things like this uh and Friar Lawrence's character represent is represented by like Lawrence you know right I was like okay clever Mm-hmm. And then there were others where I was like, I don't get it. Like Kathleen. Kathleen's not a character from, as far as I could tell from Romeo and Juliet. I was like, I don't know who you yeah. are. But I think things like that made it a little bit more interesting for me because I was like, oh, mm-hmm. there is some mystery here. Mm-hmm. And I think also there was a lot of, because part of your brain knows the story of Romeo and Juliet, you're kind of trying to apply some of that story throughout. Like when Juliet finds the vial in Lauren's lab that's like the makes you appear dead for three days or something like that right right I was like oh so she's gonna drink that you know and then Mm -hmm. Roma is gonna think that she died or whatever but then it was it was a twist and I was like okay that's fun that's fun Mm -hmm. like a twist yeah Uh, who was your favorite character did you have one um I liked Roma more than Juliet Jen, like honestly okay um I also I loved the romance between Marshall and Benedict uh, me too <laughs> I love I could tell from so early on the way that they like the awkward moments between them and that alleyway right in the beginning mm-hmm. um of of these violin ends or these violet delights mm-hmm. um when they had that moment in the alleyway and like it wasn't really the same afterwards mm-hmm. loved that I like that a lot, too, especially because, like, Mercutio is, like, flamboyant in Romeo and Juliet. And in mm-hmm. the movie version, they, like, made him very obviously gay. I appreciate that. So I, I really like that Chloe Gong was like, I'm going to take that. I'm going to run with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also like that they addressed when, when Benedict told Roma that he was in love with Marshall. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate that they addressed that okay, that wouldn't be okay if he was gay in Shanghai during that time. Mm-hmm. But it was like, it didn't matter to Roma. Like, it was like, okay, whatever for Roma. But he was like, the city will kill you with that. Right. But so it was like holding true to like, historically, that wouldn't have really been okay. Mm-hmm. But still, like, it was just Roma was like, okay, like, whatever, I still love you. And I'm gonna avenge his death even more for this, you know, right. I think I really liked Kathleen. Mm-hmm. I think I'm, I'm oh man for favorites. I'm I'm pretty torn between Kathleen and 
I don't know. I liked Juliet. I think maybe I just like a badass woman, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, obviously, Roma is swoon-worthy. I, you know, he's got yeah. some very good lines in Our Violent Ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think I did really like Juliet. I think I like, like, characters in books that like wielding knives. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> There's something Fair. fun about them. But also, I really liked Kathleen's character. And despite, yeah. like, not understanding, like, her... Uh, like comparison to the actual Romeo and Juliet. Right. I was like, I love this little side story that we're getting mm-hmm. along the way. I know. At first, I like when they first introduced Kathleen and like introduced the fact that she was trans. Mm-hmm. It was like I was like, wait a second, wait a second. I literally googled it and I was like, is Kathleen trans? Like these violent delights. And I was like, that's like, that was fucking cool. I, I liked that they integrated that. And I like her transition into reclaiming Celia as her mm-hmm. name. Yeah. Near the end, where it was like she was taking full control over her identity and her role in her life. Right. You know, and I thought that was really cool. I am slow and I completely didn't get it. Like, completely until. Until I finished, and I was like, oh, who's Kathleen's character supposed to be? And then I mm-hmm. clicked on something, and I was, like, reading it, and I was like, oh, my God. I just didn't, I just didn't get it when, when <laughs> her backstory was, backstory was being explained. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, so they're triplets, and one of them died. <laughs> like, it just completely went yeah. over my head. I completely did not get it. And then I was like, oh, that's weird that her name is Kathleen, but it's also Celia. But I thought it was like a hiding thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I guess it was, right? But right. I thought it, I, I don't know. I thought it had something more to do with like, they didn't want the the Lord and Lady side to like know who, I don't know. I was, I just didn't get it. And then I Googled it afterwards, trying to find out who's Kathleen's, who Kathleen's character was supposed to be right. from Romeo and Juliet. And I was like, oh, hi, Yoda. That was Yoda. Yes. <laughs> finally moving off of my lap. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, but after learning that, I was like, wow, that would have been uh, better if my brain caught that properly yeah. while I was reading. But how cool. It made me like her more, you know? Mm-hmm. I was like, that's pretty sick. Um, yeah. I think that Chloe Gong was super, I don't, I don't even know, like super inclusive. Mm-hmm. But in a way that didn't feel forced, if you know what I'm I was, saying. Yeah, I was just about to say that. It like she was, but it didn't feel forced. It felt very organic. Yeah. And I, I liked that. Because there's <laughs> a lot of times where you can very clearly feel how forced representation is in books. Mm-hmm. Cough cough, red, white, and royal blue. I loved it, but it just Lol. was very forced. Um <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so I really enjoyed how I just I just loved the writing style and I think that the way that parts of the story were woven in, I was very much like, yeah, I'm engaged. I'm constantly engaged and I'm enjoying it. And I want to see where this is going. Fair. I see this was like, I would have DNF'd this book if we weren't doing Really? This. Yeah. Oh my God. I felt the total opposite. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't, wouldn't have, I may have tried to pick up these violent delights again at some point. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I would have gotten through it. And if I had gotten through it, I don't know that I would have fallen or like followed through and read our violin ends. Interesting. 
I, I, I wonder if we can agree on this. I think Our Violent Ends was better than These Violent Delights. I think so, too. I, I agree with that. When did you, did you see Rosalind being the spy? Yeah. Okay, that was, I felt like that was really obvious. I think it was supposed to be. It okay. was, it, I think in a lot of ways, Chloe Gong wrote the story in the way that we would see it as a play. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There, she gave oh, us a, a lot point. of information. Like if we were watching the play, we would know the multiple storylines because right. we'd be seeing it, even though the other characters did not know. I, that is such a good point. Right? I, <laughs> I love, okay, that really opened my mind a bit to how she wrote the story. Cause like the way she jumped around and put those different storylines in mm-hmm. for us. Um, that, okay. That I really like that actually it would, that would have been the sequence and like mm-hmm. the scene by scene play if it were an actual play, you know? Right. And I think that, I think, uh, one, I liked when she would casually mention things like as if they were changing scenes or like things like this, like little mm-hmm. little hints at theater. I, I really enjoyed. But I, I think that in showing us these different perspectives, she was giving us a little bit like crumbs in each mm-hmm. in each. I'll call them scenes almost. Right. Mm-hmm. So that we could come to the conclusion. If you really thought about it. Right. Mm-hmm. But even if you didn't, it didn't. It wasn't. It wasn't like here's going to be the big reveal. It was like you can feel this is going to be the big reveal because Rosalind's sneaky, <laughs> right? <laughs> but nobody else knows it, so it's going to be a big reveal for them. So I think you're waiting the whole time for the shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. That's. I think too. Though it's like it's frustrating when we see, <laughs> like the audience sees the bad guy or like the mole. But yeah. the other people don't see it and you have to wait for them to piece it together. And it's just like, ah, like it's right in front of you, but it isn't <laughs> because it's right in front of me, but it's not right in front of you. And so that's frustrating. <laughs> that is very funny coming from the person who looks up spoilers on TV shows. <laughs> exactly. Like I just, I always want to know. That's what it's frustrating. Not knowing. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, uh, oh, good. Oh, I was going to say, were you also expecting the one bed trope when they, in Our Violent Ends? Uh, yeah. I was expecting the one bed trope and I was so bummed. <laughs> I think Chloe Gong did that on purpose. I think so too. <laughs> She's very much like a person on the internet. Um, yeah. And like all over book Twitter and book talk and the things of the like. So I think mm-hmm. that it was a tease in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Yeah, she she was playing with us there. Wait, wait, wait. I just had a realization. Did we ever find out who stole that vial from Juliet in that scene? Um, I don't know. Right? Because I thought I thought it was going to be like Marshall, kind of, mm-hmm. because he didn't, because uh, whoever it was, the masked figure, they always said that Marshall wore a mask when he went out and about to not be seen right and Mm -hmm. then also he didn't try to kill Juliet right so I don't know and then I guess like I thought it was Tyler maybe but if Tyler saw her with Roma he would have just called her out for it wait who who the heck stole it was it Dimitri maybe I feel like there was an answer in there and I just completely missed it there's no way that went on like not addressed 
maybe it was Dimitri, but he had like the all the answers because he did was he only get that... the ring. No, but did he only get that the vaccine because he stole the vial? No, because uh, Juliet gave Roma all the info for the vaccine and stuff, and then right for the for the white flowers or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Who stole it? I'm confused. <laughs> I feel like I feel really dumb, and I feel like the answer was in there, and we just completely overlooked it. Because Dimitri would have just given it to Rosalind. Would so- he have though? I don't know. Yeah, they were no. lovers. They were like fake okay, lovers. Okay, I know. And then, yeah, but then he like just dumped her ass. I'm so, so confused. Can you go to Twitter? I feel like Twitter, the answer has to be somewhere. Before we move on to discuss the rest of these violent delights and our violent ends, let's listen to a quick word about the brand sponsoring today's episode. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Well, uh, we couldn't find any answers, but that's because the book's only been out for a week. Mm -hmm. So... I will. I guess we'll have to look it up later. <laughs> Maybe someone who listens to us who's read it will email us the answer, and they're just going to be like, "You're dumb. You overlooked it." Yeah. Here's the answer. That's completely what's going to happen. Honestly, yeah. it could have just. You know what? It could have just been like somebody who worked at the shop that they bought it from. Like they wanted I it back it, so that they could sell it again. I feel like you wouldn't have this huge thing where they literally chased someone and then not addressed who it was. And also, he ducked right on time when uh, Juliet shot at him. I think it was Marshall. Why would it have been Marshall? I don't know. There's no reason for it to have been Marshall. I don't know. He's following them around and stuff. Yeah, but not stealing from them. I don't know. Maybe. I I literally have no idea. He also wouldn't have followed them outside of Shanghai. I guess that's true. They were really far away. They were really far away. But they felt like someone had been watching them the whole time, you know? Yeah. We definitely overlooked something. (laughs) We were reading too fast. (laughs) I know, we were rushing. We were rushing. Yeah. Further. Uh, Mm -hmm. I thought it it was kind of (laughs) funny reading... um, about like vaccines and stuff. <laughs> yes, I also thought that was um, interesting. I thought, how funny is this? Because obviously, she started writing both before, books. yeah, way before <laughs> COVID hit and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But it felt all too real um, <laughs> when everybody was like, "We should be charging." and stuff like that and I was like you know this is so cringe (laughs) I wonder if she had written this after COVID if the concept of people not vaccine would have been in this yeah good point that's a good point because before that like that wouldn't even be a question really yeah like but now I think anything to do with vaccines you have to include Mm anti-vax perspectives. Right, unfortunately. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I I think that's a really good point, actually. I thought it was also very funny how they would, like, quarantine 
people who Mm -hmm. may have come in contact with it and Mm -hmm. nobody knew like how it was spreading it felt all too real Um, yeah it was it was a little (laughs) a little like ooh, a little too close to home yeah i thought uh overall like um our violent ends kind of had a quicker pace despite being longer but Mm -hmm. i think obviously there was a lot of world building quote unquote in the first book so that Mm -hmm. is pretty natural that the second book would feel faster because you already know everybody (laughs) there were also like there were so many players in i mean in the first one too but in our violent ends you have the communists the nationalists both gangs the monster thing trying to play that in Mm -hmm. you know and then also the romance on top of it so they're just like you're following so many different players and like motives and like piecing apart different motives and alliances and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was just like, it went quickly because I think there were so many things you had to follow. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> oh, I have, I have a, um, do you think yeah. that she will write a prequel of when they actually fell in love? Oh, she should. <laughs> because I was kind of bummed that we didn't get them, like, actually falling in love. We got, like, bits and pieces here and there. But all through, like, the lens of nostalgia. Yeah. That's a good point. I I think she should. That's really interesting, actually. Chloe Gong. Chloe hey. Gong. I very, I very embarrassingly DM'd her, too, before we recorded this. Because <laughs> I was like, I was like, how funny would it be if I could get her to come on the podcast? But uh, she gets like a billion DMs a day, so it was not. Who do we think we are? I know. Funny. (laughs) I I was like us and our twenty listeners. (laughs) (laughs) Chloe Gong, if you're listening, big fan. Um, Yeah, (laughs) you should write a prequel. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I'm sure she will. There's like, if I thought of that, someone has already approached her and was like, "Hey, you can make more money if you write a prequel." Yeah, like, okay, cool. It could even just be like a novella, you know? Yeah, yeah, like a a little guy. Literally of just their 15th year when they fell in love. Yeah. It should be gold because the, mm-hmm. there's like gold is the, the common color mm-hmm. on both the other covers. Yeah. I, I, I also, I think I was kind of turned off to Juliet in the first book, seeing how she treated her staff. Oh, that's fair. I was kind of like, and we didn't get that. I like from Roma. Like, even though he probably treated his staff like shit, too, mm-hmm. she didn't write that in. But she wrote in how Juliet treated her staff. And yeah. I was just kind of like, icky. Yeah, she, I think she was very much trying to show her, her I'm the Scarlet. Air. I'm badass. Yeah. Yeah. You will bow to me, you know, kind yeah. of vibe. And I liked Roma's, like, he didn't really want to be in it. He was more, like that's just how he was born he was just born into it yeah whereas she was like i am here (laughs) and i have yeah and i will kill everybody and blah 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 blah. and that was just and maybe that's no that's not sexist to me that isn't like at first i was like is it bad that i don't like this badass what did you think of the covers i like them i like them too i think that they should have kept the color of the lettering consistent on our violent ends Mm -hmm. it's like a little more yellowy than silver uh and i didn't really like that because it looks funny on the side 
my I threw my dust jacket to the ground. I don't know what it looks like right now. Oh, but fair enough. Well, yeah, I cannot read a hardcover with the dust jacket on. I, I, it depends. I have uh, like a sensory issue mm-hmm. where I don't like to touch anything that's rough. Oh, so usually yeah. the hardbacks have like that rough. Mm-hmm. And after about like 10 minutes, my finger, I feel like I need to like tear the skin off my finger. So, mm-hmm. uh, so I don't do that. I, I just manage. Did you see the whole like lighting themselves on fire thing coming? No, I did not. From Because in the first time we meet Juliet, she's playing with her lighter and she always has her lighter on her. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I feel like that's going to come into play later. And then the second that they said that all of the vaccine was really flammable, I was like, this is going <laughs> to, this mm-hmm. sounds like it's going to have a purpose later. Because mm-hmm. why would you make a vaccine flammable? <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> scary. <laughs> I wish they had like, I wish we had seen her playing with her lighter more throughout the yeah, book. that's fair. I, th- I, think, I think it would have would been, been too fun. obvious then. Would it have been if it was just like, I mean, they do that in like shows and movies and stuff. Like someone like always kind of flipping their lighter. I think it's more casual in a show because you're looking all over the screen. But if you're reading and you have to read yeah. and she's flipping her lighter back and forth over and over again, you're kind of like, that's true. Hmm, they're showing me this on purpose. <laughs> I did. There was a lot of foreshadowing of yeah. like, dying yeah like oh yeah like it yeah and obviously (laughs) we know the story of Romeo and Juliet I think that was (laughs) another thing that I did like about the the story was like you know that it is a tragedy right it's gonna Mm -hmm. end with both of them dead Mm -hmm. uh so I think that's why when the closer I got to the end the more anxious I was getting (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I was like I know they're gonna die but how (laughs) right it was keeping me on my toes but in a way where like I usually don't like to know the ending of a book it almost made me feel secure secure but anxious you know right that I would know at least that they would probably die at the end but then in the epilogue Elisa sees them potentially maybe or just the hope or like envision them or because it was that day and it was a ghost of them yeah because it was that day and they were out on the water or whatever uh I right I think they died yeah because also roma loved elisa so much and they both loved marshall and benedict so much i feel like they would not like go on living in in, like roma would not abandon his little sister yeah that's very true he that was the one thing the whole book that they were like this is what he cares the most about right aside from like juliet right so yeah. I, was like, I, I, I was like, I think that's just the hopefulness that a little sister can have. Right. But I was like, I, I hope they died in that way. You know what I mean? That's, that was the point. They right. were supposed to go up in flames sacrificing themselves for the sake of humanity and stuff like that. And so if they did get to live, I'd be kind of like, oh, well, that felt cheap. <laughs> I, I'm glad their death was, had a purpose. Instead of, like, that original Romeo and, Ju- and Juliet where they were just dumb teenagers and didn't mm-hmm. need to die. Yeah. Um, but I liked that, that she kind of teased at that, though. Multiple times when they thought the, like, or was it multiple times? No, it was just that one time. Yeah. When the, they thought the other was dead. Yeah. And it was like, yeah. Yeah, that was, that was, I like that. I also loved, like, uh, Juliet and Marshall's friendship. Mm-hmm. 
I love that he, one, understood what she was trying to do when uh, she fake killed him, right? Right. And then I loved when we got, like, a sneak peek into what must have happened over the last few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, like, they're teasing each other and how, like, she couldn't help but smile at him and stuff like that. I was like, oh, I love just a, like, good little friendship that comes yeah. out of nowhere, you know? That was quite cute. It was um, quite cute. Did you – I very much predicted as soon as Elisa – it was in the first book when Elisa went to go check on the guy and she put oh, her yeah. head. And I was like, oh, god damn it. Yep. Really? <laughs> and then I was tense. I was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. There's a reason <laughs> that he's mm. that your brother told you not to go near anybody. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember being so frustrated. I was like, and that's why kids are dumb. Okay. Yeah. Well, like loved her. She definitely got smarter, but I was like, well, you know. I felt like the entire beginning of our violent ends, I was just like waiting for her to tell Benedict mm-hmm. and Roma that Marshall was alive. I was like, Absolutely. okay, when are they going to? I was so frustrated. I'm like, why can't she just tell them? Yeah. And just say you have to keep it a secret. Yeah. Literally, Roma would have kept it a secret. Literally. They both, like, it would have, it would have been fine. It would have been fine. Literally would have been fine. fine. That was and so when, frustrating. I, I did like, though, the moment that she had to reveal it to Benedict, though. Because mm-hmm. it was very, like, okay, show your cards now. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought, um, I thought that that was a fun little reunion that got to happen next. And mm-hmm. then, of course, how, like, Benedict won't say he loves Marshall right away. I was like, oh, you're so frustrating. You mm-hmm. thought he was dead for, like, five months. Yeah. And now you have the opportunity to speak your mind and you're just not going to do it. Idiot. Mm-hmm. I Oh, the tension. <laughs> yeah. The tension. I So I want to kind of look up the actual history of Shanghai in the 1920s mm-hmm. and, like, the role that gangs played and – like the like colonial influence and the colonial power there and also because i know the purge was an actual thing that mm-hmm. happened i really so like the curious. political aspect to this book i did too i really enjoyed that i thought that was and i think she did it really accurately i mean mm-hmm. i want to like read about it and because like now it like i mean it made me curious of like the actual or like the history of it you know right um Maybe and that's I think- just us liking history and politics, but <laughs> okay. well, yeah. But I was like, yeah, yeah, give me more of this. I'm sure that's the part. You know, like most people when they read like a fantasy book and they're like skipping through the political the political parts to like get to the the storytelling yeah. and stuff. I was like, no, 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 I'm enjoying this. <laughs> Go back. I think I think that's why I didn't like the monster aspect of it. I was like, mm-hmm. this is all so like delicate and. All of these, like, alliances and everything like that. And then just throwing a monster into it just seemed, like, so... Mm. Wait, are like, we missing something? It, what, do you think it was, like, a metaphor for something? It was a met. I looked it up. It was, like, a oh. metaphor for, <laughs> um, like, just colonialism in, in oh. a sense. And just, like, putting... At least that's what a BuzzFeed article said. So maybe... So they gave it a form. You know, she gave it a form. Like, colonialism yeah. became a monster or whatever. Yeah, I guess so. And just the um, 
and infecting the people around it and how it just like it hurt the locals too because like the like the locals fell victim to the colonial thought and stuff and it was mm-hmm. like te- like tearing apart what the like Chinese people were yeah you know and people were falling victim to these outside influences and stuff right that makes sense and how yeah. also because it was very much like a plague in that sense like it, it killed anyone not just right. not necessarily whoever they were trying to target but it <laughs> would you know everybody from every side was losing people from right i want to know i think i was just like reading too much into it but why when it affected or like infected their like scalps and their brains did they and i mean it ultimately infected and got all over their bodies Mm -hmm. but why would they every time they clawed at their throat i'm sure there's a meaning there (laughs) yeah i think i didn't look into it enough i don't know there's definitely a meaning there (laughs) Yeah, I think... I haven't so taken an like, English class in a long time. <laughs> I know. The curtains were blue because... <laughs> what is the, sim- the symbolism of them ripping out their throats? I guess not being able to, like, speak up and fight for them. I don't know. Is that too obvious? Who knows? I don't know. Somebody sent us an email telling us why we're dumb. Um <laughs> what what we missed (laughs) yeah seriously tell us who stole the vial and why they were clawing at their throats yeah and if the monster is also a metaphor for anything else other than colonialism uh yeah (laughs) um did what were your like likes and dislikes i know you like you said if if we weren't reading it for the podcast you probably would have dnf'd yeah um i did not like the river monster thing right because (laughs) i i just felt like it was such a it could it had the potential to be just like such a smart intellectual like political type book with like also the romance and the like all these aspects and then it just kind of threw the whole river monster thing threw a wrench in it for me and the bugs that infect people and they like i like i get the the er, the sense of urgency that needed to be created for them to be brought together like, I get that, but I think, it, like, I just would have liked it to have come from, like, a more realistic influence. Because everything else in there was real. Mm-hmm. And then there was just this river monster thing with bugs. And it was just, like, <laughs> that That was a turnoff for me. Because, <laughs> um, like, I just, I did like everything else, I think. But then I could not get past that. I, I don't know why that just really bothered me. That's fair. And your, um, your likes... Like I said, I liked everything else pretty much. I liked, I didn't, I wasn't a huge fan of Juliet. I loved Roma. Mm-hmm. I loved Benedict. Oh my God, wait, I was going to bring this up. Did you get like the Bat Boy vibes from their friendship? Yes. yes. And I don't know if it's just because any friendship between three guys in a book, in a book will always remind me of the Bat Boys from Akatar now. I, or I if there were actual. I like the Band of Brothers theme. Uh, Benedict and you know Roma are actually related but right I liked yeah no I, I definitely like that and I like how they all knew each other so well and I think kind of like you're saying with the bat boys like they all had like a fighting pattern that they knew mm-hmm. how to how to fight together as like one and kind of thing and I, I I did like their little brotherhood for sure <laughs> okay could you because I got specific like this Marshall was this bat boy. Or, okay, wait. Okay, okay. I know. I know. Okay. okay. So <laughs> <thing is> <laughs> Roma's Reese, obviously. Um, 
Benedict is Azriel. Yes. And Marshall's Cassian. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I completely agree. I think this is a common occurrence in uh like three guy friendships in books, you know? Mm-hmm. One is the like one who will do anything for the love of his life, right? Yeah. And is like the the badass who's in charge kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. The other there's another who's like the silent and like thoughtful and mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, you know the the dark one. You know who's in the corner. Uh-huh. Like I, I'm watching everything everyone does. And then the other one's the himbo. And yes. Marshall's the himbo. He so is. <laughs> we stand Marshall. We do. Oh my god. That's if, funny. If Marshall and Benedict were gonna, were gonna, weren't going to be a thing, I wanted Marshall and Kathleen. Fair. Extremely fair. Yeah extremely fair i i now i'm like thinking about this more and that there's that's definitely a very like keen comparison to them Mm -hmm. (laughs) i love that i also thought um benedict i think in the first book they kind of alluded to it more um or chloe alluded to it a little bit more but um benedict possibly being like ocd or autistic Mm mm-hmm and I picked, like, there were, like, hints to that of, like, how he had to have everything, like, a certain way or, like, things would bother him if he, like, if it was out of order or anything like that. And his, like, the drawing and kind of being, like, quieter and stuff. I just kind of got the, I think it was after I picked up on the Kathleen being trans. And so I was looking for other representation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, maybe they're saying Benedict could be, like, could have some sort of neurodivergency yeah or something like i said chloe gong just did a good job at making everything feel fucking natural yeah, yeah. like despite the monsters right right <laughs> <laughs> like every every person and character in the book i was just like yeah no this feels like a real person mm-hmm. everybody had quirks that real people have you know right or and again i think that's why the monster thing really bothered me because everything <laughs> else did feel really like really real really like it could have been someone's actual story that's fair that's fair yeah i I, yeah no that's fair i think i didn't mind the monster so much because it was just kind of uh, i know it was like supposed to be the big conflict you know but but it wasn't that but it wasn't so i was like "Eh, it doesn't bother me that much because it's not really at the forefront of my mind (laughs) right um i i don't even know what i didn't like usually i that's mm-hmm. the first thing that i want to talk about because i don't like it was the first things. thing i wanted to talk I'm, about <laughs> i'm usually really picky and there's a lot of things that i nitpick at and don't like but i think from start to finish i really loved this duology like i just felt like i couldn't put it down i didn't want to put it down not also the fact that i need we needed to finish it very quickly my yeah. copy got here late um <laughs> yeah and then i was very busy this week and it turned into a i pretty much read 30 pages of of it on Thursday read like almost 400 pages of it last night (laughs) and then finished it this morning after the gym so I was like okay here we go um but I really couldn't put it down I was very much like I was engrossed in the story I was dedicated to like the characters you know I -hmm. felt like I wanted to know how each of them fared afterwards so I was glad that we got like an epilogue Mm-hmm. Uh, because I, you know, I wanted to know what Kathleen was doing and I liked that. Or, Celia. Uh, Celia by the end. Yeah. Yes. I wanted to know what Celia was doing and I loved that Elisa was like, she's kind of familiar. 
Yeah. But I can't remember why and how Celia keeps that little secret. Like, but the mm-hmm. fact that Celia's looking after Elisa, like, really made me happy. You know, mm-hmm. I was just like, yes, this is what I wanted to see at the end. And also, Benedict and Marshall, like, left Shanghai and got mm-hmm. and went to somewhere where they could be, you know, not in the, <laughs> the throes of blood feuds and all that. Right. And I love that Elisa, like, faked a marriage certificate for Roma and Juliet to to show everybody that the feud couldn't have been so thick as to, if 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 the heirs right. of both sides mm-hmm. didn't even feel that way about it. I just really liked how it wrapped up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I enjoyed that. And I liked um, a lot like Chloe Gong's writing style. I could say this like till the cows come home. But I was just there's not a lot of young people who write like her. Mm-hmm. you know what I mean she has this like almost and I know she's she's basing it off of Shakespeare so there's almost like a a need to 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 lend herself to classical imagery and things like this but I think that she just did such a good modern take like her the writing felt modern without feeling like too casual you know what I mean yeah I just thought it was beautiful. I was like, this is all very lyrical, which I thought was interesting because, you know, Shakespeare is known for his Mm -hmm. lyrical writing and things of the sort. And I I am big pantameter. Thank you. Yes. Yes. You know, in Fair Verona, where we lay our scene. Oh, God. I I literally have not picked up Romeo and Juliet since I was like 14, 15. Why do I know that? I don't know. I've always been jealous of characters in movies, TV shows, and books who can just spew out lines from things. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't know lines from things. And it makes you seem so much smarter and more interesting. <laughs> I wish I was that person who just had, like, those, like, one-liners on lock. But I don't. Mood. And that's okay. That's I okay. also really liked um, the, the nods to the original Romeo and Juliet. Mm-hmm. Like the things throughout the story that was, for example, like when Roma comes <laughs> to get, like comes to talk to Juliet in the first book on her balcony. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. And she says, you could have just thrown rocks at my mm-hmm. window. Like, that's funny. <laughs> I was yeah. like, ah, I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. Or um, just just like any little part where it very much lent itself to the original. I was like, oh, I like this. It's very much like being subtle without being subtle but also giving us something familiar that we do know to apply to this part of the story right i I bet there were i bet there were so many other little things Mm -hmm. little symbols that we missed like i i'm starting to think now of like was was there anything with like the flowers or the roses i felt like something with well there was yeah at the end uh like the very end roma i believe starts to talk about how like a rose by any other name, you know, he, he mm-hmm. kind of reflects on this, cla- like, tradition, or what am I trying to say? The, like, the original quote that Romeo says in the story, talking about names and last names, when they're talking about getting married, and she's like, I don't want my name. And he's like, well, I don't want my name. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to know, so do, the thing is, okay, because Juliet at one point did say these violent delights have violent ends. Yeah. Did Romeo and Juliet and Shakespeare exist in this 
in this world for them. Uh, uh, I reckon no. <laughs> Which is, that's kind of funny, because, like, the, that line comes from Shakespeare. So it's like, where did she come well, up with that? Because if... it's from Romeo and Juliet. I know, but she Friar Lawrence it. says it in the, in Romeo and Juliet. Right, but so, like, it was like, oh, so she's, like, she knows that line. She didn't just, did she just come up with that line Yeah, on her she own? just, she just came up with that line. Because the whole, the whole story is not, like, they're living the same life as this story that was in their world already. It is, like, right. this, their, this is their story. Right, I know, but, like, that, I felt like then that line seemed out of character for her. And it was just, really? like, putting that in. I, yes. I didn't feel it. I kind of was like, oh, the line, the, the title. Yeah. <laughs> I, I but I was distracted. like, yeah, that's fair. I was like, she, why would she have said that? Other, like, it just seemed, <laughs> that seemed forced, I think, for me. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Did you, because uh, I'm, okay, did you have a favorite line from the first book? I did. Okay. I did what indeed. was it? What was it? Um, You go first, because I need to, um, I need to flip through my book to get to it. Okay. Mine was uh, nothing particularly significant. It was just <clears throat> in the beginning of chapter 12 where uh, Shanghai is being described like as it was at that time. And it's they say Shanghai stands tall like an emperor's ugly daughter. It's streets sprawling in a manner that only the limbs of a snarling princess could manage. It was not born this way. It used to be beautiful. They used to croon over it, examining the lines of its body and humming beneath their breath, nodding and deciding that it was well-suited for children. Then the city mutilated itself with a wide, wide grin. It dragged a knife down its cheek and took the blade to its chest, and now it worries not for finding suitors, but merely for running wild, drunk on the invulnerability of inherited power, while suited only for profit and feasting, dancing and whoring. Now it may be ugly, but it is glorious. And I was like, I fucking that love beautiful. that. It's so <clears throat> good. <laughs> I liked, so page 93 mm-hmm. of the first book yeah and it was four years it should have been enough as the seasons blew by and all this time crawled forward um he should have become a stranger he should have grown to smile different he should have grown to smile differently as Rosalind had or walk differently as kathleen did he should have turned more brash like tyler or even adopted a warrior heir like juliet's own mother only he looked at her now and all he become was older he looked at her and juliet still saw the exact same eyes wearing the exact same stare he let her through unshakable unless he allowed himself to go i love that. and i really i just really liked the like he should have been different but he was still the same per- like the way that she wrote that and compared to like all the changes she had seen in all of her other people yeah around her yeah and then another one i just honorable mention on page 166 mm-hmm. um these days, Juliet, he said, low and warily, the most dangerous people are the powerful white men who feel as if they have been slighted. I, I literally also marked that one. Yeah. That's that funny. one was. Um, and in the second book, I would say, I think I had two. Uh, mm-hmm. But there, of course, because then that in the second book is where we really see the romantic Roma, you know? Right. 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 Uh, so mine was on page 321. Um, Juliet says, I wish we had been born as other people, she whispered, born into ordinary lives, untouched by a blood feud. Mm -hmm. And then later Roma says, no, then we would not have met. Then I would 
ordinary life pining for some great love I would never find because ordinary things happen to ordinary people and ordinary people settle for something that satisfies them, never knowing if there would have been a greater happiness in another life. His voice was rough, but it was certain. I will fight this war to love you, Juliet sigh. I will fight this feud to have you because it was this feud that gave you to me, twisted as it is, and I will take you away from it. Juliet searched his face, searching for searched for any hint of hesitance. Roma didn't waver. What pretty words she whispered. She tried to play it cool, but she knew Roma could hear her breathlessness. I meant them all, Roma replied. I would engrave them onto stone if that would have if that would what the fuck? If that would have you believe me more. Mm-hmm. It was just so good. That was very good. I like that uh, one. And I love him. on a lighter note, this was from the I mean, this one was still from the I'm going through my bookmarked ones now yeah yeah. but the the first book when it was um i'm russian not an alcoholic that made me chuckle (laughs) yeah i like that That was a good one i also liked the i'm i think i'm just a sucker for like the latin phrases and it was the stars incline us they do not bind us yeah i also like that was also from the first book okay for the second book I liked when they talked about, this is page 173, just as they call Shanghai the Paris of the East, she said, mm-hmm. when are we going to stop letting the colonizers pick the comparisons? Why don't we ever call Paris the Shanghai of the West? Yes, I, li- I marked that too. That was really yeah. good. I like that. I was like, I like this that. book is just so, they're both so, uh, like, woke, <laughs> first of all, but mm-hmm. also just <laughs> very aware. And I liked the, like, I liked the politics. <laughs> right. Wait, one one other line. I think it was page 232. Elisa said, nothing in this world is complicated, only misunderstood. Yes. I and loved Elisa. Like that. Yeah. Um, all right. It appears we've reached the part of the episode where the two of us come up with a final overall rating for the books. Ratings are set to a five-star scale and will be averaged out between the both of us at the end. Um, these Violent Delights, uh, I gave it a five. Okay. Because um, I'm going to go first because I liked it more. Um, and I don't okay, want you to fine. change my answer. Because um, <laughs> sometimes I feel like after I hear your opinion, I'm like, yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm easily influenced. Okay. Anyways, mm-hmm. um, these violent delights, I originally rated it a five when I finished it because I was like, I really like this. But I feel like our violent ends is definitely a five. So okay. I don't know what to do. <laughs> but I think I'm just going to stick to my original feeling when I finished the book is I gave it a five. So I think I'm okay. going to stick with that. Okay. Um, I I missed um, – I did have one other final remark. Oh. And I missed that. Good. Um, when they had sex and it gave um, having sex during a war like uh, in the tent while in Akatar, but also like – wasn't oh. there like a carriage thing? Like they literally talked about how they could like hear the gunshots outside, and yeah, yes, it was so also just, very Akatar. Mm-hmm. And I think that also happened in from Blood and Ash. It did in a yeah. carriage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I was, what is it with people having having um, relations? Maybe it, like heightened emotions. I guess. Yeah, heightened emotions and very in the moment. I think. Yeah. Is the the key there. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. That reminded me of like, oh my god, it's another couple having, like, main characters having, relieving themselves um, <laughs> <laughs> during times of high stress when people are dying right outside. <laughs> um, okay. On that note. Yeah. Um, so my, oh, I was gonna be so brutal. Because I was when I was reading it, I was like two point five. 
There's no way. Wow. Whoa. Yeah. But I think I'll do a three. Jeez. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And for uh, our violent ends? Um, I'm going to do a four for this one. I, I like this one. Fair. I think the second one was definitely better than the first, but also I hate world building, so that makes sense. Yeah. Um, will you do the math because you're better at it? <clears throat> uh, so halfway between five and three is four. Is it? Okay, cool. <laughs> yes. Halfway between five and four is four and a half. <laughs> okay, okay. I hope you're right. <laughs> I hope I'm right too because I, I sounded really cocky there. <laughs> you did. You did. I hope, I know if you're wrong now. Um, <laughs> I'll look it up again when I'm editing. <laughs> okay. Um. All right, that brings our overall rating for These Violent Delights as a 4, and an overall rating for Our Violent Ends as a 4.5, which I think is fair. I That's think fair. it was a good duology for what it was. Mm-hmm. I really liked it. I like falling in love with a duology because it's a lot easier than falling in love with a series. Like a six-book <laughs> series? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I think that's where we're going to leave it for this episode. Before we part, we'd just like to thank you for listening. There are so many different ways to spend your time these days, and we are extremely thankful that you've chosen to allocate some of your time with the two of us. If you enjoyed this episode, I encourage you to leave a review on whichever platform you're listening on, if applicable. If you have any further questions regarding topics discussed throughout the episode, please feel free to join our Hardcover Hose Discord server via the link in the show notes, or send us an email at hardcoverhosepod at gmail.com and we will be sure to get back to you. Feel free to recommend books to cover in future episodes as well. As always, I'm Sam Dixon. I'm Sammy Scorstead. And this has been an episode of Hardcover Hose. If you enjoyed this listening experience and you'd like to follow along with us next time, the next book on our to-be-read list is Holly Jolly Diwali by Sonia Lolly. Until we meet again, enjoy your reading.